Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of Founder Stories. I'm your host, Efrain. Before I introduce our next guest, I want to share with you my gratitude and appreciation for your support and that you're listening to this podcast. Your support means the world to me, keeps me motivated to find world-class CEOs, founders, and investors, and to bring them on the show in order for them to share their lessons together with you so we can become better. Our next guest is my very dear friend, Yotam Khan, CEO of Daisy. On the day we recorded this episode, his previous company, Wibbits, was acquired. Hence, you'll hear the beginning of our conversation, which focuses on that a lot. Now, his new startup, Daisy, is creating the building operation system for the 21st century. So let me ask you, how many of you actually know your neighbors? As Yotam will illustrate, when he was doing market research for Daisy and was going around asking people, do you know your neighbors? Most people did not know the neighbors, either the neighbors on the street, the neighbors on the floor in the building, or in the whole entire building. Now, Daisy was created in order to help solve that, in order to create community around your community, in order to create community around your building. Now, as human beings, we all know that we strive for community. We strive for connection. That's what we were built for. That's what Daisy is solving for. So, Yotam, thank you so much. I truly appreciated the conversation. I learned a lot, and I know the listeners are going to appreciate too. So have a great listen, and please subscribe and leave a review. This recording is brought to you by the Goodness and Kindness Foundation. If you're walking down the street, smile to a stranger, do a good deed for someone else, and let's all strive to make an impact in this world in order to make it a better dwelling place for everyone. Now, I'm excited to announce that in the beginning of 2022, I am going to be releasing two new shows. The first is called Impactful Leaders, which is featuring top leaders in their category in order for us to learn from them. The second is called Under 1 Million, which is featuring startups that have yet to reach 1 million ARR in order for us to help them reach that milestone. So if you'd like to get involved in any capacity, please reach out to me. Now enjoy this conversation. Hey, everyone. I'm super, super excited today to have with us a very special guest. Today, we have the absolute honor to host our dear friend, Yotam. Yotam is the founder of a phenomenal company, Daisy. But not only is the founder of Daisy, the founder of a previous company, and he has an absolute incredible, incredible story that we are going to hear all about today. But besides that, Yotam is an incredible father to four beautiful children. He is a great husband, from what I'm told, and it's just a super, super all-around A-plus nice guy. So I am very excited for Yotam to be here with us so he can, he can share a story that we will be able to listen and to implement and to take the lessons that he's learned so far in his life into our life too. So Yotam, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you for having me, Frank. <laughs> it's an absolute pleasure. Yotam, we have so much to talk about, and we're going to get, get get into all of it, God willing. And, you know, I want to direct the conversation in a few ways. But the first thing I have to say is, first of all, congratulations. You know, as of today's recording, you know, your first company you started has been sold. So I want to get into the emotions. You know, this is a founder's dream in order to build a company and then eventually, you know, get acquired. What do you feel? What are you feeling right now? Especially excitement. It's all fresh and new now. Yeah, I think it's a it's a very exciting uh, moment. I think again, I don't know if it's the dream to be sold. I think it really depends what you're trying to do and where are you aiming towards. Um, but I would say, like you know, every startup is like a child for for every, any entrepreneur, and you you feel like you're raising a new child, uh, starting with a baby, two founders, and then starting to grow, add more people. And it's starting to evolve, and uh, I think it's a it's an end of an era for me. Uh, I would say I was there for close to ten years. I left about three years ago, to, um, but I was there for ten years. Ten years of ups and downs, 
pivots, uh, uh, almost closing the company for, I think, three times. Wow. Uh, so I think for me, looking back and really, first of all, I learned a lot. And looking back, I kind of like feel like it's a really good end of an era. Uh, Vimeo is an amazing company to be sold to. And, and really seeing the team there that I, you know, a lot of them I recruited is going to start their new jobs there. And it's, it's exciting. I think for me, it's really looking back and saying, okay, uh, we managed to to get somewhere with with the company. Wow. I mean, I'm going to get into... I want. I can't wait to hear about all the three times you almost closed because I'm sure there's so many things we can learn. But you know, you're working on your, your second company now. You know, what is the difference between your, your first company and, and your second company going a second time around? Yeah, I think I think again, everybody says it's something that you can't resist to starting a new company. And when I left uh, Wibits, uh, I got a lot of great offers, trying you know different things, VCs and and, and different positions. And for me, it was pretty clear that this is what I want to do in life. Um, I think that you come to start your own, your next company much more mature. You know what to expect, which I think in the first time you have a lot of uncertainty more than the second time. You know how to build basic things that in the first time they were like very, very difficult. But now you know how it should look like, even how growth should look like, how, you know, product market fit should look like how a good market should look like. Uh, so a lot of things that in the beginning weren't clear. I think in the second time around, they are much clearer. Um, I think, but I do, I would say like the difference is that you are less naive, uh, which sometimes it's good, but sometimes it's also bad. Like uh, in the first time you kind of like, you're very, very naive and it's something you need to have a certain portion of it as an entrepreneur in, or, in order to survive this roller coaster, right? So. I think this is the, I would say the, the difference on the other side. So how, is there a way to, I guess, is there a way to keep that naivete to constantly be naive? Because, you know, coming to your, your second time around, it's like, you feel like you, not necessarily, you feel like you know everything, but like, you, okay, I've been through this, I've been through this, I've been through this. So, you know, that first of all, A, you know that you'll make it through because, you know, you've been through it. So, you know, you'll, you'll come out the other side, but that, that curiosity, how do you keep that curiosity there? Yeah, I think for me, again, I don't know for others, but for me, it was changing an industry. Uh, for me, it's moving from the media space, the industry of the media, turning text into video and webits into real estate, physical life, digital life, uh, life in buildings. Uh, it's something that it, for me, it was very curious to, to go into this. And, and that's why everything for me is kind of like new. Uh, on that front and get me excited because we are learning a lot. I'm learning a lot on an industry that I didn't know anything about two and a half years ago, right? Or two years ago uh, and still learning. Uh, so, so for me, it's, it's that, that what keeps me very, very motivated. And, and again, in the end, it's also the mission that we have today, which I feel is, is very, very important. And uh, so that's what keeps me at least, I would say a bit more naive. Mm -hmm. Uh, I, I can share with you that when I came here the first time to do market research and met a lot of people from the real estate industry, I got those looks of you're crazy. What are you doing? Like, wh why are you doing this? Like you're, you don't even come from real estate. And I always tell, tell it to my team that I think our biggest advantage, both my co-founder Nir and myself is that biggest advantage and disadvantage is that we don't come from the industry, right? So. Uh, you see it with basic things that we need to learn really fast, but you see it with a very different approach or a mindset to things that were always there the same way. And, and we are able to innovate in a much faster rate 
compared to any other company in the industry because we just think differently on a lot of things and we ask questions that that nobody asks today and um, so i think for me it's really changing the industry i must say it's much harder right if you think about it, i could have started a, a company in the video space it would have been probably much easier uh, because i had all the contacts i had all the you know the knowledge and uh, but but in the end i went with my passion my passion was to really affect the way people live together in buildings um, and that's why we started Daisy. Wow. Wow. That's amazing. First of all, to, to, um, to follow that, to being able to really follow that passion. But I think it's amazing also, like when you're asking the questions, when you came to New York for the first time to, you know, investigate and do market research. And when you got, you got those looks from all the real estate landlords, you're like, yes. Now I know I'm onto something. When people say I'm crazy and I can't do it. Yeah, I think I have it in, in me. When people tell me I'm crazy that I can't do it, it actually motivates me even stronger. Uh, so yeah, there is yeah, so it's something that actually pushes me to to run even faster. <laughs> so then like let, I want to understand, you know, before Daisy, before Wibis, it was obviously a younger Yotam. There's one no, no time that went to college that served in the, the, the army. There's a Yotam that, you know, went to high school. And then he is obviously an adolescent and a teenager and a child and then an infant. Now, where are you from and what was your upbringing like? Yeah, so I grew up in a small village in uh, near Jerusalem called Harada. Uh, when I was there, it was 300 families living there. And uh, so I was there from the first grade. Before that, moved a lot of houses with my family. Um, so, so, yeah, I grew up there. Uh, it's a small community. Um, Actually, it was pretty pretty great to grow up in this in this place. My parents still live there, and uh, it's it's really fun to go there. Um, went to high school and then to the army. I was a naval officer for six years, a naval commander of a battleship in Gaza, and then in the naval officers' course. Um, went to travel for one year. Uh, in South America, like most Israelis, and then uh, studied business and then started my first company right out of college. Um, so, yeah. Wow. Do you feel like you meant, it's interesting, you mentioned this small community aspect. Do you feel like that that like, has influenced the way how you're looking at DAISY, which is essentially to create communities? Yeah, I think there is something about being in a small community that you know everyone and I would say in general, you understand more the value that other people, neighbors can can provide, right? If you have really great relationship with your neighbors, it can really affect your quality of living. In general, it doesn't matter if you live in a building or in, in a village or in kibbutz. A lot of people share that same mindset. I think that in the end, um, the environment surrounding where you live can really affect your quality of living. And this is something we are trying to change that we are changing actually in Daisy is that building that environment, that positivity environment, positive environment uh, and creating trust among people. And when you have that, then, then you can actually affect the way people live their life. And it's worth in the end much more than a fancy apartment or a parking lot in New York or in Tel Aviv for that matter, right? So it's it, it can really, really affect your quality of living, having this neighbor that can help you out when you need something. Um, and that's the opportunity we saw with Daisy. With Daisy, we basically we managed residential buildings, but we saw this opportunity to do it in a very different way that really affects the way you live your life. 
And I think it's something we miss today in the world. It's uh, you have Facebook, you have social network, you have so many other networks that are digital that are not really face to face. But if you think about the people that are closer to you, closest to you are your neighbors. Yeah. Right? There is the sentence, a, clo a close neighbor is better than a distant relative. Mm -hmm. Because there are people that are there, right? And, and they can really affect your quality of living. And I think going back to growing up in Haradar, I think it, it, you can definitely see the, the, the line going from there on, on that sense of knowing people and, and getting help from others and how it can lead to, to a much better community. Right, for sure. You know, it's funny you mentioned when you were speaking about technology, for example, right? Technology has obviously the, the pros and the cons. And the pros, it has the ability also to bring people together. Um, from people and communicate people from all around the world. But at the same time, we ha can't mistake that technology is only a form of communication and not a form of connection. Totally agree with what you said. Totally agree. And I think that that's why, for example, I'm really big believer in office and working together as opposed to working from home, which I know it's a very different approach than most people today. But I see it. the energy you can pass through people when you sit with them in a room is something you, you can pass through, you know, video conferencing and it's something that i think it can really affect the relationship 100 so then growing up in haradar for a place that only had 300 families which you everybody you probably played outside you know back then there was no technology i mean not as much as it is today no phones back then so your parents didn't have to worry about you they knew where you were by which neighbor <laughs> they still worry so, about <laughs> <me. So. laughs> how, how did you make your way into entrepreneurship and you know thinking and going ahead and eventually starting a startup yeah, so I think uh, if you go back, actually, both my parents are very ambitious people. Uh, and they both came from tough backgrounds and were able to make, uh, to really progress in life and do amazing, amazing things. And I think uh, going back to my family in general, I think we all, we are four, uh, four siblings. We have three brothers and one sister. We are all very, very ambitious people. And I think it's something that go runs in the family. Um, so I think uh, my father is a very much, I would say, risk taker uh, more uh, doing, you know, he did a few investments in startups. So I kind of like got into this world a bit from him and uh, seeing what, what startup it is. I even joined a board meeting once. He took me just to see how it goes. And it was, I, I remember it until today, uh, something that I kind of like really amazed me and got me excited about start, starting something. Um, and yeah, and then I went to kind of like to IDC to learn, to study business. And I went there with wanting to start to go in also to the Zell entrepreneurship program that I heard about before. Uh, I got accepted in the last year to the Zell entrepreneurship program and started Webits right out of school. Uh, it was the best, I think, uh, um, launchpad for us to start a company. And you split into groups, each group start their own venture and all your studies are being done on that venture, right? From finance to marketing. Uh, so it was all implemented there. And, and I came to this program saying, okay, I'm ending this year with a working product with something out there. And we did that and kind of raised our first round and then started Webits for about 10 years, grew it to about hundred employees when I left there and raised close to $40 million. And, and as I said, the company just announced today that it was sold to, to be mail. So, so yeah, that's, that's my beginning. I, I did a few things, you know, small things before that, but nothing I think interesting to talk about, but I always had that, that passion to create uh, things. I'm, I'm, I'm passionate about building stuff. I'm a builder by, by heart. This is what I love doing. I love 
building things and seeing them evolve, uh, sometimes with people and mentoring them and seeing how they become a better version of themselves and companies. And I think for me, it's the most exciting thing is to sit down and have this crazy idea and then form it and see how it's been executed and then have customers and people loving what you're doing and disrupting an industry. So I get excited about that. And, and, uh, and again, I'm, I'm a great builder. I'm a great person to build things from scratch. Uh, I, I can share with you that probably I wouldn't be a great corporate uh, senior person. Uh, I, I can do that probably, but I don't think it's something that I would be great at. Um, so that's what gets me excited. Really, I'm excited about building things and changing things and, and, and seeing them evolve and grow uh, like a child. And so, so yeah. Wow. What, what does it take to be a, to be a great builder? I, you know, what is, what is your building process? Yeah, so I'm, I'm a very uh, methodological person, uh, which sounds a bit weird when you think about an entrepreneur. You mm -hmm. always think about this scrappy, just do things, break things, move fast and break things. It's something that came a lot, you know, from Facebook. I'm actually a true believer in, in culture and structure, basically. That's, I think those are two elements that entrepreneurs sometimes miss. Uh, they kind of like think, okay, I just I need to be just, just great storyteller. I need to be, right. but I think there are two fundamental elements in building a successful company that people don't pay attention to a lot. The culture is something a bit fluid. Sometimes it feels like it's something that you can't really control. It's like people come and they create the culture, but I believe you need to control the culture and, and you need to actually make sure that the culture is being built correctly. And when I'm saying culture, I'm talking about transparency, I'm talking about trust, I'm talking about the ability to work as a team, uh, uh, ownership, a lot of stuff that are a bit not clear how you measure, right? It's not sales, it's not code, it's, it's something that it's a bit more fluid. But I think that as a CEO, as a founder, you need to pay a lot of attention to it because it can build the company and it can ruin the company. It's really how you build the culture and build a really successful trustworthy culture and it, it requires you to pay attention to things that are happening and guide everything in the building i can share that the first document that near and myself wrote for daisy was our core values and we started with that we had a full day of discussion what should be and we are still iterating on that but it's something that is you know we put it as the center of how we build the company the second thing is structure Right. And it's something that you also need to iterate all the time, but methodology of running tasks of what are you doing squads? Are you doing a different type of structure? How are you building? How are you assembling the team? And this is something that you need to evolve because a company of 10 people, 20 people, 50 or 500 will need to look differently, but actually paying attention and thinking about the right structure and the culture will enable you to get much more uh, impact from the team that you have and, and to move faster going forward. And I think, again, those are two elements that I pay attention to a lot. Uh, we are very methodological in how we operate as a team and how we run tasks, how we are uh, updating our investors, how we are doing a, a quarterly plans from the get-go with the entire team. So doing things that I didn't do, if you ask me for what I changed, I changed a lot from my previous company. It's something that we are, we are emphasizing a lot and allocating a lot of time to, uh, which sometimes feels like why I'm doing this now. I just need to run, but I see the value of, of having everybody involved and thinking about what we want to do in our strategy 
as something that really helps us to build the company in a much more successful way. Right. It's when the foundation is strong, you know, then everything else is able to work simultaneously together with it. Yeah, exactly. And then when, when I started Daisy, uh, that was my goal to bring and uh, to build a very good foundation, because I know if you have the right foundation, you can build a very big building, right? So, uh, so, so yeah, we got the right investors, we, my, the best co-founder, uh, amazing team, initial team that is, you know, taking Daisy to the next level. Uh, enough money in the bank that you know enables us to run faster so it's it's really about having those very strong foundation uh, to enable you to to succeed right it's funny because it, it's interesting a lot of times you know founders are startups it's obviously it's a marathon not a sprint but it's all about running running for the product running to, to try to acquire more to get more try to get more logos anything around it just running 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 and i like that approach that how you said sat down and said let's start from the beginning you know essentially you know how are the my core values related to building this company what's the connection to my own personal values or whatever is my own personal story that makes me want to go ahead and build this company over here build a company like daisy yeah and, and again I, th I think a lot of people don't always think about it like that and, and and again you talked about the difference between the first company and the second company i think it's really about having that maturity and understanding how this thing can actually uh, can actually affect in the end the success of the company right so how do you set the foundations and, and again i just want to be it's not like everything is organized here we're working like it's a startup it's still a startup there are a lot of you know messy things and a lot of stuff we need to close and a lot of fires sometimes that are coming that we need to to put down i just don't want to put this ideal picture that when you're doing it very organized everything is running it's still running breaking walls learning as we go and uh, so it's not but i do think that we understood the importance of having more organized things and and um, and i think that this is something that if you understand then you invest a bit more i would say than than when you start your first company you invest it in the get-go and there are a lot of things that if you invest from the beginning the roi on them will be much higher going forward because starting to implement stuff like that afterwards is much much harder right so uh, just having and in the beginning it looks like you don't have time but usually you have more time before you're starting to run with the product and it's always you have a bit more time to think and to set things correctly uh, in the structure of the company and that's what i would recommend to any entrepreneur that is starting to actually invest a bit i'm saying a bit because i know how it is it's not easy to invest in this invest in in the structure and in the you know how you're going to run the team how you're going to manage tasks how you what are your core values how you're going to make sure that you're implementing those who are the right people build like a process of how you are recruiting what are the questions you're going to ask what's important for you in hiring people like those type of questions that seems really weird to do when you're two people sitting and thinking about the idea but i think it kind of like helps you to align as founders as well and have this understanding of what and how the company should look like. And then when you start to build, when you hire people, you basically can can have that good structure and foundations from the get-go. It's more like also like run the company to begin with or start the company, imagining as if you already had that full entire, you know, team and everything in place. Yeah, and again, I'm not talking about right. now sure. every small detail, right? Just the, the high level things. And 
in the end, what's important in the beginning is I know is raising money and and doing getting to product market fit. Those are the two main things you need to focus as entrepreneur. I would say in the beginning. Um, so, but but there are stuff that you can start build that really will help you in the end when you start scaling and adding more people. So so this is something that I think worth allocating time to. But then when you sat down to begin in the beginning to do like your core value process. Like what, what was the process for it? How'd you go about it? It's, it's, I think it's a great, it's a great question. So the way we did it, uh, Nir and myself is, is we actually came from our values. Like each one of us uh, wrote down on paper, what are, what they think their own core values are, who they are as a person. And then each one of us wrote on the other, the same thing. Okay. And then we started the discussion because I think in the end, the values should come from the founders and this, and, and if you try to put this crazy value out there, that it's not both of you or the third or three of the founders, it won't work. Right. So we started with that and, and, and we built from that, the core values. And then we, we kept it open as a document. And then when we hired the initial team, it was about five people. We did another big discussion on core values and we modified it because the initial team that you hire to the to the company will also affect the values going forward. So the initial team also was part of making sure we have the core values. I think it's something you can always, again, like any other thing you can iterate, right. but you need to make sure that it has full alignment with the founders. Right. Because in the end, if you, if you, if you have this misalignment, it's just not going to work. Right. So, so yeah. Wow. So like, that that and first of all, it's a few things from my understanding, from my viewpoint, you know, between you and your founder, you had first of all real intellectual curiosity and like real um honesty, transparency, and being open to negative almost I wouldn't call it negative, but feedback that you know from each other. That's like Yeah, I, yeah, I think I think it's wow. something that we believe yeah, both Nir and myself, we believe a lot in uh, uh, honest feedback. Um, sometimes it's it's harsh, but it's it's something that we we put a lot of effort on. Again, both of us we met in the naval officers course. We know each other for over twenty years. We have you know hundred percent trust, and and we we understand the value of one of our core values is uh, always evolve. Basically, okay. evolving is about always to improve, always not to stay constant. Right. It's, it's about having that no boundaries and where you can go. And we, we see it in our buildings, in making buildings thrive, but also in our team. And the involvement evolve, of a person always comes from being outside of your comfort zone and learning, right? So the ability for you to actually get feedback from people, from the team, uh, and get from other people, right? So it's, it's something that is super, super, I can share that we had a few very important strategic decisions in the company that we just opened up for the entire team for discussion. Uh, and it was amazing discussion. People are super smart. They have, they have so much input into decisions that we need to make as founders. Sometimes you feel like, okay, I need to make the decision, but, but you have a team you can rely on and, and open it up and have a candid discussion. I can guarantee you 99% of the cases, it will actually make, make them feel much more part of the team. Uh, so it's something we do a lot. We we share all strategy. Every investor update I share with the entire team. Everybody sees that. I think it's it's really about being very open and vulnerable as a founder. I can share again. We my first sales calls that I did uh, for buildings. I recorded them and then we saw it all the team together and everybody gave me feedback. 
And I think if you do it as a founder, then everybody become much more vulnerable and open to get feedback. And this is how you can evolve the team. And again, that's going back to what I said about the culture. If I do that, then everybody will see it's okay, right? To get feedback, to give feedback. We did a session on how to give a productive feedback in the entire team. And we're investing in it. It's something that I think, again, you usually put aside. Uh, but if you invest in it from the get-go, it really helps you to, to you know, grow a better thing. Right. You know, culture is funny because culture is not something that what happens when you have 10 employees, 15 employees. Culture, the day you decide to start a company, that's the day the culture starts. Yeah, yeah and, and I, I would say just to, to lower the stress a bit on that, you can change. It's not <laughs> like sometimes people say, okay, I did this and now from now on. No, you do mistakes. You hire sometimes the wrong people. You you promote the wrong people. You fire maybe the, like it, it happens and it, it affects everything. You you say the wrong things sometimes and it's okay as long as you are the way I see it. As long as you learn mm -hmm. and change and adopt all the time on everything, then it's all good. Like we are doing mistakes all the time. And I tell you to the team, I don't care who did the mistake. As long as we learn from it and evolve and change and set a new process for us to make sure that we are not doing the same mistake, then everything is okay. Like this is, this is, you, you don't want to make people feel like doing mistakes is problematic because then they just won't do things. Right. So, uh, and, and again, it's hard. It's, it sounds easy, but then big mistakes happen. And then it's like how you react. Everybody looks at how you're reacting to it and everybody listens. And if they see you reacting a certain way, then you're basically setting a new culture. And so it's something you really need to pay attention to as a founder. Wow. It's incredible. Like you really, you know, first of all, to build such a culture and to provide a place where people could give feedback and not, not feeling any type of retribution or any type of, you know, in a place where people are actually going to grow from the feedback. So having, you know, like you mentioned, we mentioned before, the intellectual curiosity and um, that whole entire feedback loop. And the fact that you're actually providing the, the, the what to call the framework or teach, educating employees how to go ahead and actually do it, which is amazing. Yeah. Uh, again, I think it's it's not easy. There is there is a really good book uh, that I really recommend people to read. It's not a long one. I will listen to an audible. It's called Five Dysfunctions of a Team. Uh, every person that joins Daisy is, is basically it's part of the onboarding. I think it really helps you to think about a team and how to build a strong team. I think Google did a really interesting research back then that they checked like teams in the organizations to see which teams are highly performers and non-performers and why. So they kind of like identified the characteristics within the teams and they found that that the main that, that the main teams that were really really successful was really around how they operate together as the team as opposed to having A players in all the team, right? So it you could have been have B, C players in those teams, but the way they collaborated, the trust they had there made them a very successful team. So if you think like that, then you understand that you have the power in the end to work with any type of team, basically, almost, and make them really, really successful if you set the right structure and culture in the way you operate as a team. And, and I think people sometimes think, okay, we just need more people. But sometimes if you just look at how you operate and how you work with your current team, you can see that you, you can make much more impact uh, with the current team. Right. 
Um, so that's that's a, a good book. I really recommend some people to read. Wow. So then how, how do you build your own self up? You keep your own self honest. Uh, I mean, not talking from you, just you, you personally, and you continue to build and upscale yourself and upscale yourself. Yeah, so I think the best way for me usually to evolve on a personal level is actually to to get really good mentors <laughs> and people I can, you know, look up to and learn from. Um, I, I'm very privileged to have Michael Eisenberg as one of our investors and Shai uh, Wieninger, who is the founder of Lemonade and Fiverr, to be uh, in our board. Um, and they both invested and of course le Michael led around and and they are our board and Daisy and I I, I'm, I can say I'm really privileged just to have them like any call any advice from them really helps us to to grow and me myself as well um I read a lot I listen a lot to podcasts uh, I, I think it's always a great source of learning and you know inspiring people out there that you can learn from and and I think, this is another great way, I think, as an entrepreneur to learn and to implement changes. Um, my wife helps me a lot <laughs> to evolve, I must say. Um, she, she is amazing, really. She's, she's really given me a lot of reflection on a lot of things and helps me to rethink things. And of course, Neil, my co-founder, we are, we are constantly giving feedback to each other. We have a monthly, you know, a clear up uh, meeting that we give each other the all feedback that we have and uh, we do it constantly but i think this one time to have every month that you're just zooming out from everything talking to each other very candidly giving feedback is, is a great source for me to to see what i'm what i can improve on as a leader and, and i must say the team always gives me feedback as well there and I'm, I'm i'm encouraging them to do that right so uh, even bad a lot of bad feedback and it's great can learn from this and improve and evolve and that's that's the way i do it right amazing so after like you know you're building the second company here in the us you know and the obviously first company with this was based in israel and what, what are the and especially now you see a lot of you know israeli companies moving to the us too a lot around there like what, what is the first what are the difference you see like in the, between the israeli startup ecosystem and the, the us ecosystem nice i think it's a great question uh, i think first of all the ecosystem in israel is exploding i think in in high tech right so um matured a lot there are amazing companies coming out of israel you know unicorns every week it's like it's it's exploding and it's super super exciting i think uh, in the last 10 years i would say being in this industry it's 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 amazing to see that and and i think i think a lot of that can be related to the pay paid forward uh, you know help that there is in the Israeli ecosystem, like really like any type of information you'll need, any type of mentorship, you can find someone to help you with that. And I think it's, and everybody feels obligated to do it to others because they got it from others. And I feel the same, like I have entrepreneurs reaching out to me that I don't know. And I find the time, sometimes it's three weeks ahead, but I will find the time to have this 15 minutes, 20 minutes call with them, give, you know, an advice uh, because that's, that's, how people other people help me and helped me and are helping me today so it's something that i think is is very entrenched in the israeli culture um in new york i must say it's a bit different <laughs> it's much more it's much more uh, uh, i would say uh, has a much more monetized value to it to the help 
Uh, not everybody. I must say, when we when I came here, people were really happy to meet with me and share with me and and help us get started. We have amazing first customers who are really part of the success of Daisy and and you know helping us with everything and and believing in us in our in our vision. Um, so so it really depends. I would say saying American is also very broad, right? New York is very different, and the people in New York in Manhattan are very different, and so it's like, it's it's very hard to generalize. I would say the the U.S. tech uh, industry, yeah, because you have also a lot of Israelis here, a lot of people coming from different countries. So it's it's already became such a big mix. Uh, but in the end, I think people are people. People want to help. People want to be part of things. Uh, uh, most people are are very very positive and 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 kind of like are excited about what we are doing. So. I think in the end, it's about is as you we talked before. It's about the relationship, right? It's about having real relationship with people and getting them excited about what we are doing, and uh, and 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 also you know thanking people on, on what they're doing. And I think that's that goes a long way. Yeah, you know, people inherently are, are good. They want to help. Um, sometimes they, they they just don't know how to help or how to bring it up, but they want to help and they, and tell people. In any way possible yeah definitely i think again you talked about it uh, as well but there is another again good good book that i i read and uh, that i think what's the name it's called humankind uh, it, it actually talks a bit about uh, specifically about the the you know the fact that people are, are good uh, uh, so they take a lot of researchers that saw kind of like that checked why people are selfish but then it breaks it down and shows how it wasn't really the case i think in the end people are good people want to help people want to have connections uh, i saw when i interviewed a person in the upper west you know very luxury building and you kind of like feel like everybody is for themselves and then i kind of like asked him um so do you know anyone in the building you've been living here for 20 years and he said, no, we don't really have a community, but actually there is a neighbor here that I know her really, really well. And she's from the same place that I grew up. And every holiday she brings me something to eat and she sometimes takes our dog and I'm like, okay, is it affecting your life? Yeah, it's amazing. And then and there is another guy that used to live here and we were both, both of us were waking up really early in the morning, waiting for Uber. And then we started speaking and now he's my best friend. And and he left the building, but when he comes to New York, we are meeting for for a beer, right? And and it is like an Upper West, you know, twenty four seven doorman and all those. So you see that even in those places, people can relate, and it and, and again, those relationship can really affect the quality of living because now they have a person they know, right, where they live. So I think in the end, going back to people, in the end, I think people are positive. People want to know other people. You just need to create the interface or the infrastructure to enable them to connect. And I think again, Facebook did it in a in a different scale, in a different type of of environment. And I think we are trying to do it in in a, in a much more physical, close people that live in the same building. No, for sure. You know, I think the biggest one of the biggest you know uh, threats or pandemics that's facing humanity now is not necessarily COVID, but it's more um, loneliness, where people are feeling Definitely. lonely. And you know, like you mentioned now, you have a big building. Let's say there's 300 apartments in that building, and the guy only knows three people. C- come on, right? Only three people, and he, he happened to meet them by accident. Um, 
people are need community. And, and you know, the fa- fact of loneliness is, is insane. And it's obviously the difference between, difference between being alone and the difference between being lonely. Um, and people are in searching for connection, um, searching for connection, searching for community. And it's in- I, I, I can't, yeah, I can't relate even more. I can share with you when we moved here. I just moved here with my family about three months ago to New York. We went to Tenafly in New Jersey, which is not actually New York, but I love to say it. <laughs> <laughs> but but we, we moved there. A lot, a lot because, you know, schools and everything, but also because of the community. There is a really strong Israeli community there, people that we know, and it changes your life. The fact that you know people, the fact that you can, you know, have nice weekends with them and, and, and really, really, it can really, really dramatically impact your quality of living. And I think that people undervalue this and, and, and I see it, you know, more and more in the buildings that we operate, how we can unlock that in those buildings and create a much healthier, much more connected community and the impact it makes on the, on the building. Right. So I have to ask you, you know, you just mentioned about moving here to the U.S. and finding your community. You know, a lot of times, a lot of companies are thinking about debating, should I move to the U.S. and I move to the U.S.? You know, what, what's your recommendation, suggestion for them? Or even if, even if it's something that should be entertained, you know, like the founders, like I have to move here in order to build up my company. Is it even necessary now? Yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a great question. When you think about the pandemic today and uh, working remotely, is it, is it necessary, right? Probably three years ago, it was clear, like you just CEO, the founder needs to live uh, in their, in their audience, with their audience, right? So I think, uh, again, I'll, I'll maybe walk through kind of like my way of thinking about this. When we started Daisy, we are managing physical buildings uh, in a different way, but we are still managing physical buildings, right? So. For me, it was really clear that I need to be in the target market for us. Um, and so I think with the main question is, what do you do, right? Type of company are you building? Uh, if it's something that, you know, requires you to be physical presence there, then it's of course something that you should consider seriously moving there. Um, the second question I think that you should have is who will, let's say you are not moving, who will lead? right those parts and i think one of the triggers for me as well except from from what i said before is that i felt i need to be here for to build the right team to build the right culture going back to our discussion before if you're not there then then you might not be able to create if one of the founders is not there you might not be able to create the culture you want to build uh, because because it, it affects, right? Because you are there. You're, it, it's very different than jumping on Zoom than actually seeing people interacting on a day-to-day basis in the office, right? So this is something that was very clear for me that when I moved here, that I need to invest a lot in in order to set the right culture in, in the team. Um, so that's, I think, the second point. Unless you have someone you can trust that can lead the culture you want to build, then then it will be very hard and you need to find that person if you're not moving you need to find that person that sees eye to eye and you can trust 100 percent that they will build the right culture you want to build uh, because it will be hard to do it remotely um, so i think that's the second part i think that is very very important and i think the third part is is the customers right when you are in the market your ability to move faster uh, is is accelerating right i'm here three months and i can say the company is it's a different company in the last few months, literally different company, right? And and the reason for that is that you're close to market, you understand more, you see more, you get more 
um, uh, understanding of their pain points and how you should solve them and how to build the right infrastructure. So it, there are a lot of stuff that I couldn't see from Israel. Uh, I flew here a lot. I came here with all my family in the middle of the pandemic for two and a half months uh, to start the first buildings. But 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 still, it's it's not like living here and seeing the day to day and reacting in, in real time. Yeah, we didn't even get into the aspect of like, you know, the fa- how it affects the family even, you know, you have four children, new school, new language, new friends. Yeah. And then, uh, you know, and then we have the wife, which is a whole other story. So it's like, wow, but it takes a lot of sacrifice. That's like, you know, the part of the sacrifice of entrepreneurship. It's... Yeah, you need to sacrifice a lot. My wife sacrificed a lot for, for Daisy and then we are as a family. Um, I, she knew who she married with. She knew that I can't do anything else, but, but I can say that. But but in the end, yeah, it's a lot of sacrifice. It's a lot of sacrifice from everyone. Um, it's not easy sometimes uh, for her, for the kids. Uh, I see it again as, a, as an involvement of us going out of comfort zone, living with four kids. Uh, in the middle of pandemic, uh, I think it's 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 tough, but we we grow from it, right? Our, my kids will grow from it. Uh, she will grow. We're all gonna grow from it as a family. Um, so that's how I look at it in a, in a positive way. Uh, but yes, it's it's tough sometimes. It's not easy. Um, you know, I'm not at home a lot in the last, I would say, two months. And, but yeah, she is there uh, backing me and uh, that's amazing. That, you know, always, every time you see a founder in that relationship, you know, I think founders that are in relationships essentially, you know, have an advantage where they have someone to connect with, to be there for them, to support them. But at the same time, I think a lot of times, you know, we're not, enough credit is not given to the other person, to the, your spouse, to your boyfriend, your girlfriend, whatever it may be, because they are the, the, the receiving and, and they're the ones that are constantly building up the founder on a daily basis when they come home from a hard day. You know, because your wife is like the she CEO, you know, definitely should get a reward, a reward or something and you know, everything there. But yeah, I, I, I can totally relate with it. And I think it's something that uh, sometimes people miss. It's a, it's a, you know, we are together that, right. And, uh, and uh, running together and she's my co-CEO. So. <laughs> what advice do you give to a young Yota? You know, you're facing the rule for the first time. You have so many opportunities, so many options, you know, you can continue traveling South America and find, you know, stay in Peru and, you know, become a, a, a Sherpa if they have over there, or you could, you know, hiking up Mount Machu Picchu every single day, or you could go ahead and go back to Israel, you know, and work in a local cafe, or you could go ahead and work for another company or start a startup, you know? So what advice do you give to a young Yotam, you know, leaving Zell College education for the first time? What do we tell them? Yeah, I think it's a, uh, I think, the main advice, if I go back, is just telling to believe in yourself. And uh, I think that sometimes you underestimate yourself uh, and your capabilities. And I think that um, I would go back and tell tell myself that. And I think that again, I, I went, I went with it. I did it. I'm still running, and I I enjoy what I'm doing. I'm I'm, I'm really excited. Uh, but I think in the end. As an entrepreneur, you sometimes have doubts, uh, and and every time that I kind of like went with my heart and with what I believe in, it actually uh, came for the best always. Um, and I think that it, it's it's an advice I think for everyone to to really you know yourself better than anyone else. And and 
a lot of people will give you a lot of advices on what you should do and what you shouldn't do. People love giving advices and telling you what to do and what not. In the end, you know yourself. You know who you are. You know what you're good at. You know what you should learn. You know what you're not good at. Um, and if you're really true with yourself and mm -hmm. believing in, in who you are, then then you, you should have the answers on what, and you just go with it and, and just double down on what, whatever direction you want to go uh, and it will come out for the best. That's that's the way I see it. And I think there is a lot of noise today. Social networks, other startups, other people, like so many noise, other uh, news, podcasts, like there's so much noise, but in the end, if you really have your agenda and your the way you see the future and the way you know yourself, just go with it. Just really go with it. And and I think this is something that I would tell myself. I'm telling it to my kids. I tell it, I will tell it to anyone else out there. Wow. Amazing. Amazing. Yotam, I want to thank you. Um, first of all, thank you for this incredible conversation. But also, like, I have learned a tremendous amount. Everything from what it means to be, um, to build a culture of feedback in order to have the honest, transparent conversations. Um, for myself also, it's learning how, you know, it's about you know, structuring from day one, create that structure from day one, and a bunch of other stuff about personal development and everything around it. So I appreciate that. I, I've learned a tremendous amount. So, and I know it's definitely gonna benefit a ton of people. Um, so thank you on that. And it goes without saying that I'm here for your personal journey, if your family, for Daisy, of course, to help any way possible. But thank you, thank you, thank you. Ephraim, thank you very much. It was great speaking to you. And I really love, you know, this type of top podcast to go deep and talk about those things. And uh, so really thank you for the opportunity to, to be here. You're welcome. You're welcome. Thank you so much for listening. I truly, truly appreciate it. I hope you learned something from this conversation that you're able to implement into your life today. Now, if you have not yet subscribed, please subscribe because this week, Thursday, we're going to be releasing another incredible episode and I'll hate for you to miss it.